0: Shalom, and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of our weekly Halakha 101 class taught by Rabbi Rebecca Schatz.
1: We are going to continue on with the topic that we started last week. So we are going to talk about No Ten Tam Lifgam, which we spoke a little bit about last week, and I'm going to share my screen just so that we can go back to that um, to that, uh, term so that we can look at what that, what that means. Um, just to give Annette Berman a little bit of a shout out, I was just speaking to a couple, uh, to Nathan Sunshine and his fiance, Maya, and they were we were talking about Kashrut in our meeting and they told me that Annette is gifting them with some Passover plates, which was so nice. So I've spoken about Annette and koshering a little bit already uh, today, and we're going to just continue on with that. And um, let's—I'll share my screen here.
2: They're not just getting some plates;
1: <laughs> <laughs> they're getting special plates. Well,
2: what I'm saying is, I have—I—I—I uh, I, I, I can't imagine when I'll be using the Passover plates. And you know, I—I I have uh, more than they need, but I actually have fancy. you are going to get a lot.
1: So nice of you. Well, they were very excited, so uh, it's very sweet of you to to gift them that. Okay. So, this is, we already did this, Saif, we already did this section, but I just want to go over it one more time because it's going to introduce the term here. So, um, Sorry, this is always a little bit of a struggle to be able to see you all, which I want to do and also see the text here. Um oh, let me make this a little bit bigger. Okay, is that better for people? Oh my goodness. <laughs> Hold on. Ah wait. Oh gosh. All right. I don't know if anybody can tell, but it's already been a long day. Um, Here we go.
0: Okay. Rabbi, rabbi. Uh huh. Yep. Ed just made all of us smaller.
1: I made you, you smaller.
0: Said- you know, just, uh, like we do, you know, in the middle, there's this thing and you can make us bigger, but that's still big print. Do you know, there's a thing here that if you grab it, it moves, yeah. it tries. I could see everybody
1: is what I'm talking Oh, about. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Because I'm the one sharing the screen. It's just a little, it's formatted a little bit different on mine, but, but I appreciate the, the suggestion. Um, Okay, so Dean Noten Tom Leaf Gum So this is actually the title of what we're gonna be talking about here. And it says the laws of no ten tom leaf gum or giving a bad taste in vessels. So what does that mean? How do we get it out? How do we kosher if a vessel has a bad taste, etc.? So what it says here, no ten tom leaf gum mutar. Um, so we're gonna look at the, for the next, it says 12 seifim, for the next 12 little sections here, we're going to talk about how it is permitted um, to deal with a vessel that has what's called a no 10 town leaf gum that has some kind of taste that is uh, that is gross or bad and and how to use it as a permitted, um, still as a permitted vessel. So, Kedairah, which is typically known as some kind of big pot, but it says here a vessel, Sheena Bat Yomo, that has not been, um, that it, well, okay, so let me read it one at a time. So, Sheena Bat yomo means that it, it is not Bat Yomo. So, it has not been, um, uh, it has not been used. Let's put it that way. It has not been used in 24 hours. The, the text goes on here to say in, um, though this is not uh, a direct translation, it says meaning that the vessel has sat for 24 hours since the prohibited substance was cooked in it. So there have been 24 hours for it to sit on its own without you using it. So um, I used a vessel tonight to cook dinner. And I'm not gonna use it for breakfast or for lunch. I'm gonna then use it again tomorrow night for dinner or even better yet, I'll use it Thursday morning. I won't even use it on Wednesday at all. And then we know that it has sat for more than 24 hours. Um, this gives a detrimental taste, meaning if you let something sit out for 24 hours that once had food in it, it's going to now go bad, right? It's going to be a gross taste. It's going to, I like this as detrimental, not sure detrimental is the right word, but you know, bad, gross, you're not going to want to eat it. But even so the sages forbade cooking in it initially. So let me just find that in the, um, Hebrew or Aramaic here. So, Israel Chachamim levashel Bale So, the sages still said that you cannot cook in it from the outset, even if you know that the that the food particles that are left on it are gross. The sages are saying, do not cook in it from the outset. Maybe from bediavad. Um, maybe after the fact you could, but definitely not from the outset should you be cooking in it. Yeah, Karen. This is not a washed pot. Correct. As it's of right like now, ate it's not. You
0: made something wet. and you didn't wash it.
1: You Correct. It. We're going to get to that in a second, but yeah, exactly. So, Gzeira atu batioma. So, this is, this is us talking about specifically a vessel that has sat for 24 hours. Uh, whether it absorbed the taste uh vencha below a right it's the same kind of word meisor uvalavachelba heter so the whether it absorbed the taste from a for forbidden, forbidden substance and you wanted to cook in it or whether it absorbed something it says oh okay yeah uh so permitted and then it says uvencha uh vloa mekhala from dairy uvalavashelba basar Oh, apicha, which means, um, or the opposite, right? Or lehapuch would be the Hebrew as opposed to the Aramaic here. So, so whether it has taken in some kind of forbidden substance and then you wanted to cook something permitted in it. So, for example, if somehow you thought you had bought uh, kosher turkey bacon, but in fact you bought real bacon and you realized it after the fact, now your treif pot um had you know obviously had something in it that that is that is not permitted that is isur and you want to be able to cook kosher chicken soup in it or the other case is that whether it absorbs some dairy it's a meat pot it absorbs some dairy and now you wanted to cook a meat stew in it or the opposite obviously if it's a milk pot and it's absorbed some kind of meat so these are the different cases that we're talking about here um any any questions about this so far? We haven't really said anything. We're just setting out the different cases here. But any any questions on the cases in front of us? Okay. Uh, all right. And The people listening to the podcast are probably like, what is she when she's moving them? Okay. So I uh, – all right. I'm not going to be able to read the Hebrew and the English at the same time. So I'm just going to go for the English. But it starts with the Rim. There are those who say that the negative taste, right, that disgusting taste created by the passing of 24 hours. So something that was not disgusting to begin this. So we're not talking about, remember I used the ketchup example last week in terms of someone who doesn't like ketchup or a taste that, uh, that was some, uh, not a taste, sorry, a food that was somehow mixed with soap or something that has now become gross. That's not what we're talking about right here. What we're talking about is you leave a pot on the stove and you don't get to clean it until after 24 hours. The food that's in that pot becomes gross. You're not going to eat the food that, you know, is now probably caked onto the pot. You are going to, you know, uh, clean it. You're going to get rid of it. You're not going to want to eat that which is still in there. So there are those who say that the negative taste created by the passing of 24 hours is only relevant when the utensil is washed well and all the unwanted residue is removed. So, this is the case of like a cholent pot, for example. You make ch- at least this happens with my cholent pot. You make cholent You take the chuland out of it or the chuland all gets eaten and now there's still like little bits of whether it's meat or beans or what have you in the chuland pot and they need to be soaked before you can really wash it out. You need to just soak the pot. So that's what we're talking about here. That if it, that it's being washed well, right? Soap, water, scrubbing, the whole, the whole gamut. This is not, you're not going to go back in and then eat the challenge <laughs> that comes off in the soapy gross water, right? You're, that is now considered gross going down the drain, not something that's going to be edible. And therefore it's unwanted residue, right? It's And it's become that way because you've soaked it for 24 hours. But if it was not washed well, and the unwanted residue is present, so it says that it's bein, right? That's the word in Hebrew. Let me just point it out here, uh, right here, right? Hu bein enonifka. So what does that mean? That that it's been present there for for 24 hours. Those 24 hours does not make the the food stale, right? It's possible that something, though probably grosser than it was fresh. It is possible that if it was not washed, I don't think a cholin pot would be a good example for this, but roasted vegetables, right? So you make roasted vegetables on a pan and on a like a baking sheet and you forget one of the carrots that you roasted and it's still left on that plate uh pan, sorry, and you see it 24 hours later. Now, it did it go bad? Probably not. Is it as good as fresh? Definitely not. Um, But is it disgusting? No, you could eat it, right? A carrot that has been sitting out for 24 hours is not going to kill you. Uh And it's definitely not gross. It's not as good as it could have been, but it's definitely not gross. So, Though here it's using the words residue and, and all those kinds of things, and I'm using a carrot, which is not residue, is the same kind of idea, right? When, right now we're not talking about something that is washed and therefore becomes gross. We're just talking about something that, that is left out, that is seen as residue or as particles that are, that are unwanted, right? You, for whatever reason, that carrot did not seem to you to be one that you are going to keep to eat, whether it, got burnt onto the baking sheet or whatever, that it's, it somehow has become less desirable. Um, it does not make the food pagum. It does not make the food gross. Okay, before I go on, we're now kind of like in the weeds, so to speak, on this. So any any questions around this this case? Yeah, Teibel.
3: Um, Different kind of question, but at least my mother, may her memory be for the blessing, had a custom. She had a blintz pan that she made blintzes in and it never got washed. Oh. Because it, it, it's, I mean, I can't even lift it with my injuries. It's heavy, it's iron, yeah. it was seasoned. So I, I don't even know that it's a question, but it's just interesting to me. I assume that was her tradition that my mother's line, it was not unusual to have a blintz pan or something like that was never washed. I'm just wondering if the fact that some things don't get, well, I mean, you're not going to use a blintz pan, which is dairy for whatever, but is that going to create some additional complications?
1: It's a great question. Um, the question comes up very often in terms of, um, I, I, oh my gosh, what are those skillets called?
3: Um, cast Grapes iron. Would, oh, I was about to say it is cast iron, and it. I guess. I don't know if, if anyone knows French, maybe crepe pans don't get washed either, but.
1: So, uh, yeah, I, I I don't know about crepe pans, but I do know that cast iron skillets often get this question because for a long time, though they now make cast iron skillets that you can wash um, or that you should wash, I, I'll say it that way, um, for a long time, cast iron skillets were meant to to kind of maintain that which cooks in them and continue to have them be seasoned. And instead of washing them with soap and water, you would let them dry, wipe them out, kind of season them again with oils um, and have it be something that, that was quote washed that way. Uh, And so people often ask, can you kosher that? Is it something that, that contains a taste after a while, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the I don't think that that's what they're talking about here, um, but it is it is a case in which you would want to know the the material of a pan or a or a pot um, in terms of how it is cleaned and whether or not this idea of pagum is something that would be more problematic or less right something that is uh pagum on a porous substance is going to be more problematic especially if it's an if it's a trafe um item of food as opposed to just an unwanted type of food um versus if it happens on glass which i know is not your not your example but um i just figured i would i would throw that in there that the type of material does depend on how serious or not this idea of pagum is um any other questions or thoughts, or comments before we move on and make this a little bit more complicated? Yeah, everybody sufficiently confused so far. Yeah, okay, great. Uh, <laughs> okay, I'll try not to make you more confused, but I'll, I'm happy to spend this is this is a this is a complicated seif, so I'm happy to spend a lot of time on it if if we want to. So. A bunch of credible sources, the Rashva the Tur, and the Ravad, um all say what the Rama is about to quote. so it comes from a bunch of different different rabbinic sources um, and and this is what what the Rama has picked up, nevertheless. If there is 60 times, remember we talked about batel b'shishim, so something being, uh, nullified in a sixth, as a 60th of a dish, so in 60, that's what they're talking about here. So if there is 60 times the food which is present, be'ain, meaning within the mixture, is all permitted because that which was swallowed in the walls of the pot became stale and do not require betul. So again, we're talking about a porous type of pot, in this case, right—the walls of a pot—that um, the the because of the mixture being more than sixty, um, the mixture is okay because that one sixtieth of pagu material or that which you didn't want in the mixture to begin with um, becomes stale, so to speak, right? It, it gets whether you want to say like washed out or absorbed or whatever, it is taken over by that idea of Batel Bishishim, of 160th of this mixture. Um, it also comes up, I guess, earlier on in Simon 95. There are those who say when cooking sharp food, so garlic, uh, onions, jalapenos, I'm sure other things that I can't think of right now, we don't say the food swallowed in the wall has a status of stale. As it says earlier on, so if um, if you are using sharp foods in a pot that is more porous, we don't call it pagum just because it is be it's being absorbed more um, readily by that item. It's a it's a whole. Uh, I don't know if they would use the word category, but it's a whole different uh, idea of cooking sharp food, which is why if you're cooking onions, you want to cut them with a meat knife if they're going into a meat pan. Same with dairy, dairy knife, dairy pan, et cetera, et cetera, because we believe that sharp foods are foods that – Take on the taste of other things more easily, uh, and they absorb those tastes and therefore transfer those tastes. Uh, so you you choose to use the vessels and the cutlery that go together, as opposed to like a pariv. You can use a pariv knife to cut carrots, for example, for a beef stew, and not and not be worried about the transfer. Um, and yeah, Mike, go ahead.
4: So if I'm understanding this correctly, are you saying then that even if the pot is not clean, if you use it to cook and the volume that you put in is more than 60 times the volume of whatever may have been stuck to the pot, then it does not affect the kashrut of it. You can still eat it. Correct. Okay. Correct.
1: So if, if you know, um, I'm thinking of a good example before I just say one. Um If there's like a tiny bit of chicken, right? If you browned chicken at the bottom of a skillet and now you're going to be making,
4: um, uh,
1: sure. Or like split pea soup, right? That you're not trying to make meat. You don't have to be worried that that chicken has now come into play into that soup, right? It's, it's become Pagum. Um, you might choose to eat it on meat in meat bowls because you've made it in a meat pot, but it's not considered a meat stew or a chicken soup uh, based on that little amount that was at the bottom of the pot. Does that does that make sense? Yeah.
4: And that's true, even if you, <clears throat> even though you've intentionally put it in, knowing that there's something in there. I mean, you can see it's not a clean pot when you put it in.
1: So, so it is. Uh, the The nice thing about me doing this from here is I could go grab a pot i mean there there is there is the case in which it is a clean pot. It's just that there's still like browned whatever from when you put oil and a piece of chicken on the bottom of that pot. The pot is clean right if you touch it, if you smell it if you right it's it's a clean pot, but it has been stained by that which was put on the bottom of it so it's in that case, it is a meat pot, which is why you put chicken in it to begin with, but it's not the case that that meat is going to come out as, uh, as a part of the food in, into the soup that you're making next, okay. especially if you haven't used it for months. Now, again, if I were to make soup in a pot that, that had chicken in it ever, I would use meat bowls to serve that soup, but I wouldn't necessarily call it a meat soup if it doesn't have meat ingredients in it. It's, it's kind of like talking about dairy equipment, right? Like if you, if the Oreos are not actually dairy, but they're made on equipment that, that made dairy items before them, they're not, they are par of in terms of ingredient, but not necessarily a dairy free item. Uh, Diane and Bob.
4: Gotta find the mic button. Uh, let me put it, ask it a different way. Let's say that I cooked chicken soup in a pot. Okay. Clean the pot, put some water in it, brought it to a boil, dumped in some frozen peas. Are the peas meat? Are they dairy? The par?
1: So if you if you used it within 24 hours, I would say they're meat. Okay. Because you haven't let the pot sit for enough time for that. <laughs> for the meat to either be absorbed or to just be completely cleaned out to begin mm. with. If you, um, I'll actually give you a real life example. I have a, I have a, you know, steel, stainless, is it stainless steel these days? I, I have a stainless steel pot. Let's call it stainless steel. Who knows? Probably stainless. Okay, great. There you go. Um, I have a stainless steel pot that is meat for all intents and purposes. I I've never made something dairy in it and I have made, chicken soup um in it there is no residue from any kind of anything in that pot for me to without knowing my own kitchen be be sure that it is meat versus dairy meaning like it doesn't look like my chullant pot looks in terms of of use the 2 days ago yesterday i made um split pea soup which is for all intents and purposes a par of soup because mm-hmm. I, there's nothing in it. I made it with vegetarian stock. There's nothing in it. But I made it in that pot really because of the size of, of the pot, For a, but not because I needed it to be meat or, or milk. When I eat that soup, I will eat it in meat bowls, not because it has meat in it, but because even though it sat for many days without use, I know that I've used meat in that pot before. So could I eat ice cream right after eating that soup? 100% but I'm not going to put it in a dairy bowl. If you were to you if I were to have made chicken soup, do what you said, you know, clean it out, put hot water in it, make peas in it because it hasn't sat for long enough. It it would seem to me that you are basically boiling hot water with chicken residue, right? Like with with some kind of meat substance still present most likely. And so I would call those meat, meat peas. I don't know if that's a real thing, but, um, that you would then not only eat in meat vessels, but only eat at a meat meal and not mix that with dairy. So the time, the time in between the vessels does really make a difference. And in modern day, the way in which you clean it also makes a difference. Um, in terms of how clean it, it's possible like, to get. I just
4: thought that might clarify things a little bit. There's a real good reason most of the pots we use are par, because most of what we cook is par, so. Yeah, 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 no,
1: it was a great, yeah. it was a great question. Yeah. Great question.
4: It just makes it so much simpler than I serve it
0: with anything I please.
1: Sure, sure, yeah. I think yeah, the yeah. pot haven't used for years.
0: I, I have made meat chalet in it, when my kids were in high school, which is a few years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's clean, but, and it's ceramic, okay? Um, yeah. If I wanted to make a parav cholent in it can I use it as para, or is it considered still I have to put it on meat dishes
1: So crock pots and instant pots are really are are really tricky <laughs> because they're ceramic okay. um, and because they they cook at such a high heat So if something was a meat crock pot it's really still a meat crock pot. You can't really make it par of or dairy. You definitely can't kosher it, but okay. even if it's been years, it kind of maintains whatever it is. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. I'm yeah. just asking. But, but you can make a, like if a vegeta. I, I could ask my brother who's a vegetarian, if a vegeta, or maybe someone here could answer this as a, as a staunch vegetarian. If you are vegetarian and you feel comfortable eating food that is vegetarian, that is made on you know a meat grill or in meat you know meat pans yeah. then yeah you totally can have a par of but I wouldn't eat it in par of bowls or dairy bowls I would still eat it in meat bowls because it. it's still being made in a meat vessel got it yeah okay thank you yeah sure Tybal, Karen and then Annette um I'm
3: sorry I'm sorry that I lost track of the pronouns when you said you wouldn't eat it in a certain kind of bowl, I thought you meant ice cream. Does that mean if you had ice cream, even though ice cream is dairy, you would eat the ice cream in a par because you just had the peas, the, the soup? No, I lost track of the pronouns. Yeah, yeah. So
1: you- I'll explain it one more time. So if I eat split pea soup that I made in a meat pot... Um, tonight for dinner, even though it's a par of soup, I'll eat the meat soup. Uh, Sorry. (laughs) Okay. I'll eat the pea soup in a meat bowl. But then if I want to have ice cream as a dessert, I will eat the ice cream in a dairy bowl. And it's totally fine because I'm not, I didn't eat meat for dinner. I just ate something that was made in a meat vessel, but it's not the same as mixing meat and milk it's also definitely not the same as eating cheese in my meat bowl with the soup that was made in the meat pot <laughs> um so that so that's the difference there those are the those are the differences uh karen
0: i've thought about this question but now it's gone in my Kay. if i'm having a meat meal
1: yeah
0: and i am making a par of yeah in a glass bowl yep yeah. That's what serve, I, it, serve it with the meat, with the meat utensils or whatever. Okay. Can the Nick, can, can the Nick's, and I put it in the refrigerator, okay. I can serve it with dairy tomorrow? So it's a good question. Um, with using, wait, with yeah. using my dairy stuff yeah. and putting it on a dairy plate. Like yeah. I think about this when I go to Susan Green's house. Yeah. Like she's yeah. very whatever. And I think, what does she do with the fish? Like that, she just, you know, what I mean.
1: So it's a real. This is why some people who are a little bit crazy like me have a set of par of plates, par of utensils, oh etc. Because it makes things a little bit easier. the The reason why it makes things a little bit easier is because if you know, I'm serving a meat meal right, and I have a salad that is parve, but that if I wanted to eat it tomorrow, I could put cheese on it. I can serve that salad because it, first of all, because it's cold, it makes it a lot easier. I can serve that salad in a glass bowl with parve utensils. And tomorrow, as long as like no meat got in it or people weren't, you know, serving chicken with the same utensil that they're serving the salad, right? Like assuming that all these things are being kept separate I could then eat that salad tomorrow with cheese on it on a dairy plate. If you choose to serve a salad at a at a meat meal and you use meat utensils to serve that salad, I personally would not be as comfortable eating it with cheese the next day on dairy plates because I don't know what those meat utensils were used to dish out in, in a previous meal or even in that meal. So... If if you were choosing to if you knew you were gonna have leftovers and you wanted to be able to have it go either way, I would just say use use neutral items, (laughs) Um, and, and then and I do have neutral
0: items. Yeah, yeah. I just think about the meal like. Anyway, the
1: meal matters the meal matters less as long as everything is separated. Right. If things are not separated or if you're worried that they cannot remain separated, which sometimes I have that issue, right? Sometimes I'll have a meat meal and even though I'll serve everything separated, I'm worried that whether it's because I have kids over or because I have, you know, someone who's gonna like pick at food and use utensils and different things. I, I will choose to be more careful about how I eat those things than moving forward if there are um, if there are leftovers. But if if I know that everything was kept separate, then I don't have to be as careful.
0: Can you casher? Your- Plastic, silverware, plasticware?
1: Plastic in general is like not a, not a yes you can, no you can't kind of element. It really depends on the type of plastic, how hard the plastic is. Does it contain stains when you use it? Uh, if you're trying to be extremely stringent about plastic, no is a better answer than yes. <laughs> um, but there are some types of plastic that you probably can. It's just hard to come by. Okay, Annette. Thank you.
2: Yeah. How do you treat uh, glass dishes?
1: So, so yeah, so glass dishes are, are for all intents and purposes, you know, neutral. Um, you should not use glass dishes, you know, for lunch with dairy and then that same plate for a, a, you know, piece of steak for dinner. But if you use one plate for breakfast, which, which is eggs and cheese, you can then wash it. And use it the next morning for breakfast with, I don't know, salami and eggs. So you can, you can use glass that way. The reason that most people don't is because they just have a hard time remembering which plate did I use? Did I wait for 24 hours? And can I now use it again? Uh, but glass is a great neutral item in terms of, uh, you know, mistakes that, that could be made in a kitchen.
2: I have uh, we we have a lot of uh, soup, parf soup. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah we have because uh, soup is one of the things that Abe can eat relatively yeah. easily. Yeah.
0: yeah.
2: And uh, of course, I have uh, parf uh, pots just to yeah. heat the soups. Yeah. And I was just uh, I I really just treat glass as if it's dairy, but yeah. I take from that parf pot which I'm heating the soup in.
1: Yeah.
2: And very often put it like in a cup. Yeah. Which is easy for Abe uh, to eat. Yeah. The rest of the meal uh, usually is something like salmon excuse me. uh, But they may the the caregivers may like to put a little bit of cheese on the broccoli or stuff like that on a glass dish which is our dairy. So is that affected by the fact that it would, that the soup that they start the meal off with yeah. comes from a parve pot? Yeah. It goes from parve, from the parve, it's going into a glass cup.
1: All and sounds The rest
2: of the meal is all served on glass anyway, with glass, uh, with the dairy. Uh, so. That all
1: sounds perfect.
2: Now, uh, and I do have, uh, of utensils uh, yeah. too. I mean, so anyway, I guess I was, tell me something. I noticed that in some of the classes, there's a little yellow hand that goes up to show people that you want to talk. How do you get that yellow hand? I'm sorry.
1: No, it's a great, it's a great question. So great. If, it's great. If, you, if you, I can't actually do it for me because I'm the host, but if you go into participants, uh, okay. Oh, yeah, I'm into participants. I can see it. Karen's yeah. telling me no. No, or it's, no
0: hey, hey, hold on. it's not. No. But on Annette, do you have stuff on the bottom like
2: participants, chats,
0: shares? I and have money.
2: participants chat. Go to uh, the
0: right. Go to the right of those little. And ones. then
2: I, they have something there called uh, reactions. Click,
0: click on it. Click.
2: It's got a funny face. I didn't want to put a funny face in. Okay. Ah, that's how you do the hand. Okay, that's it.
1: Okay. Awesome. <laughs> now, uh, now, I'm sure, sorry, and I guess to... I have
2: to mute my mic because something here is making noise.
1: Oh, don't worry about it. You're doing, you're doing great. I have all those questions, and you taught. I'm sure you taught somebody something about how to raise a hand. So that somebody was
0: great... may have a par of hand. That a par of hand. Yes.
1: Yeah. So this is a uh hard hand, a, dairy hand, meat hand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what this is. Very about. important. Yeah. Yes. Okay, Tyvel.
3: Um I just wanted to say that when you just went through all that, it reminded me of my explaining to someone about how people who took keeping kosher seriously were in great shape for the pandemic for thinking about transmission.
1: <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm glad uh I'm glad we can be entertaining and and educational in all ways. Um, Okay, so any other questions on this particular piece here of of, uh, leaving something out for 24 hours and what it means to be pagum? No, okay, great. So let me keep going here. Say the word again. Pagum. It's a fun word. P-A-G-U-M. Oh, it's right here. Um. Okay. So now it's going to give us an example. If you cooked in a forbidden pot, a dish which is mostly vinegar or spices or other sharp foods, it is forbidden. So when they say forbidden pot, either that means somehow it's been made trafe, or going back to what we were talking about all the way at the beginning of this class, you know, something that you haven't toibled, uh to to make it a, a useful pot. That's probably what they mean by forbidden. But basically, what what this example is getting at is that sharp foods, which can also be vinegar, um, because vinegar is known as a substance that that contracts um, flavor, that that it that it stays forbidden, right? It's it's the kind of thing that it's not going, it's going to hold on to the taste or hold on to the flavors. They're not going to be uh, absorbed, however, we don 't consider the dish sharp if it only contains a small amount of spices great i you know okay we 're just going to leave that one there, and this is the custom so meaning if you put salt and pepper into a into a soup it 's not now a spicy dish, right It just is a dish that you put spices into. However, if you cook Indian food and there are no Indian kosher restaurants in Los Angeles though. I've often told Rabbi Sarah Baruch that because she is from Indian descent, that this would be a great uh, thing for her to do in her lack of free time. But the uh, an Indian dishes are very, very, for those of you who enjoy Indian food, which I do greatly, um, are made of lots of spices. And so it's possible, though, of course, I've never had the <laughs> the opportunity to ask because I've never been to a a, a Hectured Indian restaurant, that – it's possible that certain dishes need to remain uh, specific to those dishes because of the amount of spices, right? At, at a certain point, a dish doesn't go from just having spices in it to it being a spiced dish. Uh, blackened fish might might be in that this kind of category, though fish is part of, so it would be hard. Blackened chicken, potentially, um, if you're using a certain kind of uh, of vessel for that might be in this category as well. But again, soup or anything that you're just using spices is not the same kind of thing. Uh, uh, someone put something in the chat. Let me see if it's relevant. We know at least one Indian dairy restaurant, not kosher, but certainly no meat. Awesome. Yes. I know many vegan Indian restaurants, but um, none that are being run by by Jews who I could ask these kosher questions of. Uh, But yes, many good vegan or vegetarian restaurants. However, if the forbidden food was sharp and the pot rested for 24 hours and you cooked something permitted in it which is not sharp, the food is permitted because the first sharp food doesn't revitalize forbidden taste. Okay, so what this is saying is if you cooked, let's say, French onion soup in a pot, um... Uh, no, that's not a good example. It's not forbidden. Uh, if you cooked uh, Cajun shrimp uh, uh, and you let the pot then rest for 24 hours, I know nothing of Cajun shrimp, so this <laughs> this uh, this example might go very wrong. But we're gonna keep we're gonna go with it. Um, and then you cooked something permitted in it that is not sharp, right? So mushroom. Barley soup uh, the food is okay because the first sharp food didn't didn't then uh, transmit. I'm pretty sure that was a bad example, given that you would have to kosher the pot but the the <laughs> the the idea here is that. If there was some kind of food that was forbidden to you, whether based on the pot, right? It was a meat pot, and now you have dairy in it, or it was a dairy pot, and you now have meat in it, or that it was a trafe item altogether. That then you would kosher um, the pot in between. The basically what this what this example is saying is that the sharp food does not transmit into the non sharp food, um, even if it even if it came from a forbidden whether taste. Or item um, that that sharpness does not does not transmit uh, into the next food. Yeah, Mike.
4: So, from what you're saying, I take it that that means that if you had a pot that was a dairy pot, and you then inadvertently cooked meat in it, the meat might still be edible, but the pot is going to be trafe after that.
1: Say it one more time, dairy pot. Just let's give
4: say it- you had a dairy pot and you inadvertently you you grabbed yeah. the wrong pot. And you put right. the meat in it. You're saying then that that the meat, th- there's no dairy ingredient in in the dish. Correct. But the, the, so the the meat would be edible. The pot would now be trafe and would have to be koshered before it could be used again.
1: So the pot would definitely have to be koshered. It would depend, I think, on how recent it was that you used the pot, whether or not the dish would be edible.
4: Ah, okay. Um,
1: because if you made... If you made something within those 24 hours, it's quite possible that you couldn't actually eat the meat because it's as if you mixed the meat and the milk. Um, it, de- it would depend on a lot of things. It would depend on the, the hours. It would depend on the type of pot. Um, I think this is very specifically talking about a food that would, in all other cases, transfer. So like an onion or garlic or jalapeno or something, as it's calling it here, sharp, um... And basically it's just saying that if that sharp food was put into a forbidden pot, it doesn't then make the the for, the food forbidden. Like the, the sharpness of the food is not transfer the forbiddenness of the pot, but mm. rather that food itself remains forbidden and the next food cooked in it would not be. Does that make sense?
4: Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying.
1: So Bonnie's shaking her um, head. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example. If you have a pot before you toivel it, um, and therefore you expect that pot to not be one that that is fit for use, so therefore forbidden to you. If you cooks, if the thing that was cooked in that pot beforehand is now a forbidden food because you wouldn't you wouldn't eat something that hasn't been uh, made in a pot that was toiveled, after making it not a forbidden pot to you the next food that you make in it d- does not contract any of that um, status. Does that make more sense? Okay.
4: okay. You don't have to toil it in between if it's never been toiled before.
1: No, 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 you do, you do. You do. So that's, the, that's the step that would then make it possible to even cook the next item in it. Yeah. It's not saying that here, but I think it's implied. I can look into this um, – this citation here. Let me see if it's any more clear. And um, no, it's no more clear. I mean, it, it says exactly what we just said. Um, but I, th- I think that's what it's getting at. I think it's just saying that, um, well, what I just said, I don't have to say it again. <laughs> uh, any other questions, thoughts, comments? Real French onion soup has a meat base, right? Correct. Uh, thoughts, comments? No. Okay. Let's go on to the next one. Okay, oh, so the next one's all in Hebrew. Let me see for a second here. Um, although I'm happy to, to translate. Let me just see if we can, for because we don't have so many more minutes. Okay. All right, so I will um, I will translate this next one. Um, okay. Uh, Let me see how to see you all and the text. Okay. Okay. Uh, Okay, so a kadeira, so some kind of pot, im kodem achar. So excuse me. So a, a a pot that has swallowed up something from from meat and from milk, if it was before the night, a, a night beforehand. So meaning it wasn't in the same day hamamova uh, maim, so and you and you boiled in it water. This actually might be the same case. I forgot who brought this up, but this might be oh the peas, right? This might be a very similar case to the peas. We'll see in a second. So you would like um uh uh pig, right? So that you would you would see it as if it's trife, basically. shelba ha isur, umanim meat leat, so, you would count this from, from like hour to hour, uh, from the time that you actually did the, the boiling of that water. That, uh, how do I say this in English? Uh, that which is not in it is as if it's considered forbidden. So, meaning, I'll say this in plain English. If you cooked something in a pot that is trafe, it's as if that thing is still in the pot. <laughs> right? You have to you have to then kosher the pot. It doesn't matter that you've now boiled water in it to cook something else. You have to actually kosher the pot to make sure that it is not trafe. Um Okay. Any oh, Renee is joining with ten minutes left. We'll we'll let her in. Uh any any thoughts, comments? Sorry that there's no English and that you have to listen to me. I know that's not easy for, um, for those uh, of
0: who- you. I'm lost in this one on the boiling of the water, right? Like you've cooked something trafe in the pot. Yeah. If you're not boiling water in it to kosher it now, why are you boiling water in it? And what can you do with that boiling water after having trafed up the pot?
1: Yeah, it's... But- I can't answer what you're doing with the boiling water. Maybe you're making tea, maybe you're making soup, maybe you're taking a shower. <laughs> like back in the day they would boil water for a whole list of things. I don't no, think right, right, right. but my, my question
0: is like how can you like if the if it's trafe, like can you use up boiling water for whatever per I mean, I suppose for a non cooking purpose, like yeah. Taking a, a taking a bath or cleaning your yeah. floors or whatever, but you couldn't you eat that, drink that water, or use that for cooking. Now, after having cooked trafe in the pot,
1: correct, correct. That that's for sure. You couldn't. You definitely couldn't use it. It doesn't seem to be saying that you are using it to kasher. Now, it's possible that that's what's being implied. I can look to see if there's any commentary for us to oh halacha what's what is great is interesting um okay well I don't I don't know what that is so we're gonna (laughs) we're gonna go back to the Hebrew and see if there's uh see if there's commentary that I can help you with here um none of these are gonna be that are specifically helpful on that um it's a good question I don't I'm not really sure what the what the the boiling water would be for um it's yeah, I'm I'm just reading it again to see if I miss something. Um yeah, I'm not I'm not completely sure. I can look into it to see what else the wa- the boiling water would be for. Um but but to go back to a safe that we looked at a few weeks ago, you definitely can't use it. I actually think Mike brought this up. You definitely can't use it for food if you know that it's been um trafified, right? <laughs> if you know that it's trafe, you definitely can't use it for food. So could you use it for the other things? My guess is probably yes. I mean, especially if it's for um, any kind of like bathing or washing your floors, like that has nothing to do with food. So my guess is yes. I, I-, I can't say that for sure, but that's my guess. Um Let me try to do something very quickly because I feel like for those visual learners that just hearing me translate, it's not going to necessarily get into your get into your brains in the same way let me just try something very quickly which i haven't tried before um i didn't expect us to get this far today so i would have i would have just prepared written out translations uh had i expected us to get here but let me see if this will be helpful for the next few minutes which safe is this just yell it out okay i found it it's not gonna be easy for me to um to share because it's very small. Okay, Norm said, after my cousin Rose had a... Do you want me to read this out loud?
4: <laughs> you can.
1: Okay, I just wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if that was okay with you. Okay, after my, Rose... after my cousin Rose had a stroke and was utterly senile, I needed to determine which dishes, utensils, and cookware were milkic and which were fle- fleshic and so forth. She looked at me... Oh, mm. She looked at me like I was... And said, in essence, of course, there's Milchik and there's Fleschik and Pesedik is in the the closet. It was virtually the only thing she remembered enabled everything for the caregivers, but they messed up anyhow. That's awesome. I love that. Uh, Fantastic. Yeah, I mean, people remember these things, right? Like, Kashu... Even if you are not going to keep Shabbat, not keep the holidays, right, Israelis even who are the most secular Jews, the kosher is like a huge deal and you remember every nook and every cranny of what's kosher and what's not kosher and which is a meat pot and which is a dairy pot, right? It's very important to, to certain people. Um, so that's a very sweet story and, and makes a whole lot of sense. Um Okay, I'm not going to be able to show you the Hebrew and the English at the same time. Um, so I'm just going to – I'm going to show you um, – well, actually – yeah, okay. I'm just going to read this next Saif uh, just to well, – well, okay. For, first, let me let me read this Saif that we just did in Hebrew um, in English so you can hear it just one more time in um, – uh, in a written out translation as opposed to word for word, but it but it says here a pot that has absorbed meat and milk uh it says it if before a night has passed right so again it's uh t- within 24 hours they heated water in it it's counted as if he's again cooked the esor right so that's what we said before it's as if they're using a little bit of different language in the shulchan aruch but it's as if he's it's as if the cook the tray has been cooked again. So from there, we count the 24 hours from the time the water was heated. Um, and then what this is adding into play is this is not the same case with other Isurim. So for something that was not meat and milk together, it would be a different case. Uh, that wasn't written in the Shulchan Aruch, but it's adding it as part of the translation. that It would be different if it was just you know meat that either wasn't kosher or meat in a dairy pot but the fact that they were put together and then boiled and then you're boiling water on top of that now it's a whole different kind of category of isur because they're they are together and you're you're like solidifying it by by boiling that water one more time i'm sorry joanna that it doesn't say anything about the the reason for the boiling of the water but i can <laughs> i can look into that a little bit more um But Now, all of a sudden, the CIF
0: makes sense to me because what the CIF is really about is when does the clock start on the 24 hours?
1: Oh, sure. Yeah. If that's what wasn't clear from before, then yes, then then I'm glad that it's that 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 is clear. Yeah, it's from it's from that second boil right because you you're again you're like solidifying that that meat and milk was not only cooked together but now you're boiling on top of it so it does if it's being like mixed again so to speak um within that within that same pot yeah great okay so this is the next saif again i'm just going to um let me see if this is easily in on oh you know what i'll i'll put it into the chat so that those of you who are visual can, can see it and then I'll read it. Okay. So if, if just a little bit, oh, now I can share my screen. Wow. We are, we are technically challenged tonight, folks. Sorry about this. Okay. Let me share my screen in the Hebrew and we can look at both at the same time. All right. So we're looking at number five here. Saif, hey. Okay. So even a little bit of an esor so esor muat meaning it doesn't matter how much it is but even just the smallest amount absorbed in a vessel that isn't normally used for a bit of hater meaning something that is permitted in order to impart this taste into the thing that is permitted um uh, this is going to be very complicated to get through in 3 minutes i'm just trying to decide if i should stop or not <laughs> um Okay, we'll do the first part of this, and then we'll do the second part next time. So, Okay, so a little bit of isor that was absorbed into a vessel in the way that it is normally used. So, uh, that's like your cholent pot, right? So, you're using a cholent pot. Somehow, a little bit of dairy gets into it, but it's been absorbed in the way that it would normally be used. So you're making cholent, right? So it's it's being absorbed in the same kind of way. Shelo um, uh, beheter. So in the way that you would only use it for something that is permitted. Um, sorry, beheter muat. So that you would use it uh, to, to use this taste in that which is permitted in order that you would use it. Kadesha Yishtam um, Shubo Ragdola, just like you would use it in a larger pot. So now we're talking about amounts. So a little bit in a bigger pot. Um, behold it's permitted to use it. Even though it's within that 24 hours, um, as it's not possible to come to impart taste. Okay. So that's where we're going to start. Stop. Sorry. So it's not possible because of amounts, right? That's what we're talking about here now. Whether or not it's, it's a permitted food or a, um, an esor, or a, uh, a not forbidden, forbidden thank you cheese uh forbidden food um it's talking about amounts in a larger vessel right so now we're going to get into the uh minutia pun intended of how much is is going to create a forbidden situation versus permitted, even if being used in a permitted way in a permitted vessel. We're not going to finish this one because it's going to get in, it's going to get complicated and I'll, I'll provide a better translation next time. Um, but I'll take Renee's question and then we'll, and then we'll move on next time at this, at this safe. You're muted.
0: Okay. I came late. So i I've I apologize but um i just the last part that you were talking about so if you have like a cholin pot that's flashek and you happen to drop a tablespoon of sh- of um of sour cream in the flashek pot yeah and it, it gets absorbed by the flashek cholent, but it's not enough that it changes the taste of the flashek cholin correct so that's why
3: it wouldn't matter
1: so that's different than what this is saying. That that would be a batal bashi situation. So it would depend on how much cholent and how much sour cream. <laughs> um, if it's a teeny tiny bit of sour cream, then it probably isn't going to matter in a cholent pot. If it's a tablespoon of sour cream, it probably makes the cholent trafe. So it just depends on how much, like it just, it depends on the ratio in that particular scenario. But that's not what you were talking about in terms of the changing of the... No, so this is, this is not, this is not talking about the, the dish itself and whether or not the dish can be eaten. This is talking about the actual vessel itself and whether or not that which is on the vessel based on how big or how small it is now makes that vessel permitted or forbidden. Mm we'll we'll get more into it. I'm I'm actually sorry that I started it because it'll it's now more confusing than it will be next time when I think we, when we do it all all um together, but I don't want to take the time that it would take to finish it and I also started it. So <laughs> that was that was my bad. Um but we will start here again next week. We'll Will, uh, I will have better examples to use for this particular Saif, and we can just work through this one a little bit more um, to understand it more clearly. All right. Have a great week. I hope everyone's staying healthy and safe and uh, clear of this uh, virus. Karen's telling me to do the same. I, I am as of right now, uh, but I hope you have a safe week and hope to see you all very soon.
0: You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Betham, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Betham, Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.